Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Epic Film Guys podcast. If this is your first time listening, we may have a lot of first-time listeners. We're being featured on Podbean's app this week, and we may also be appearing in the local news. So if you're just like a brand-new listener to the Epic Film Guys, this is your first time. Welcome. I am Nick, and I'm joined by my co-hosts. I'm Justin. And I'm Brian. I'm sorry, you're who? My name is Brian. Listen. What? Are you really going to do this right now? Like, seriously? No one knows any Brian on the Epic Film Guys podcast. They know the one, the only, the undisputed god of podcasting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is me. <laughs> uh, so we thought we thought we would just take a few moments here at the top of the episode to let you know a little bit about what the Epic Film Guys podcast is all about. How would you, su- Justin, if you could, <laughs> this is going to get dangerous. If you could sum us up in one sentence, what, what do you think that sentence would be? We're just a group of guys that loves talking about movies. Blaze sauce, you said it sounded like you had something to add there. Am well, I right? What is our what is our what is our slogan, Justin? The slogan that you came up with in your spectacular brain. We are the movie podcast that your mother warned you about. Yeah, yeah, it's very true. We are passionate about films. We absolutely love films. Uh, we're also very, very not safe for work. Wouldn't you agree, Loy Sauce? I mean, I'm a good boy, so I don't partake in uh, any r-rated shenanigans that's a lot of cum (laughs) there it is i would like to point out to those listening that that was taken out of context Uh, was it (laughs) was it really what was the original context of that then that's what I, I wish I could remember. I have absolutely no idea. Lois House, do you remember where that came I from? I want to see Kid get strangled. Wow. Everybody just tuned out. So, yes, Nick <laughs> loves his soundboard. Uh, there he's captured many, many uh, gaffes, faux pas, quotes taken out of context completely. Bitches can't uh, get enough of my stuff. <laughs> because I'm a good boy, okay? Listen to this guy here. <laughs> he's so full of himself. We got to back into we got to get backed into the corner, backed into the wall. He's just trying to he's just trying to figure out any way he can out of it. But we do we do really really appreciate you tuning into the show, checking us out for the first time right now. Uh, while we're all quarantined because of COVID nineteen, we because we love trashy trashy cinema, we decided to take the plunge and do the canon quarantine hashtag canon quarantine is what we call it. So every single week on the show, we've been reviewing a new canon film and every week they're chosen by our fans and uh you know on this week's main show we're gonna be talking about ninja 3 the domination i i think we would all agree that ninja 3 the domination is of course the greatest movie ever made by I, anyone i think i think we might we have to get there loy sauce we have it's a definitely breakdown. top five material i mean there's there's no dispute <laughs> there yeah Full, full breakdown. But we also are the hosts of the charity live stream for The Cure. This is our fourth year 
running the event over the past three years, we've raised about $15,000 for the Cancer Research Institute, which is a nonprofit out of New York that researches cancer immunotherapy, basically fighting for a future immune to cancer. And this year, we're going for our biggest goal yet, $10,000 over 48 hours. And that's going to be insane. I'm going to die. So goodbye. This is the last time you hear from me. I just picture like a, a Nick training montage of you getting prepared for the event and sweating with a, you know, like an old school 80s sweater crop top to the side and just pumping out jams and sitting at your computer and you're totally ready for this thing. I know you're, you got this, man. You totally got this. I know it. I have full faith in you. You can also join our fan group over on Facebook, the Hopesters Dumpster, which is facebook.com slash groups slash epic film guys. And you can, you know, yell at us, yell at, the sauce and tell them to review something else for us. I don't know. Who is the hopester, by the way? Well, if you're new to the show and you do decide to hey, get a little bit dangerous and dig deep into the old archives, you'll find out exactly who the hopester is. And luckily, he hasn't graced our presence on the show in quite a long time, but that doesn't mean he won't anytime soon i don't think we could stand the stench if he decided to come back i haven't been late in 25 years <laughs> who knows where he's been i mean it, no more further questions there you go yeah we just wanted to drop a, a quick hello in here to just let you know a little bit about what we're about the episode hello. that you're about to hear is a retrospective of battlefield earth that i recorded with a good friend of ours brad from the cinema guys and Wow, <laughs> you've tr you've tackled truly one of the worst. Nick. I mean, and so I commend you. I am convinced. So, so when you listen to the episode, I am convinced. Hear me out on this. This was produced by Bialystok and Bloom. Because <laughs> if you tell me that it's not a real life version of the producers, I will call you a liar. <laughs> That's so fitting. But I just feel like instead of getting a springtime for Hitler, they got a Battlefield Earth instead. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, I, man. That this, is, this is my hypothesis. Because a movie, listen, it can't have possibly accidentally been this bad. It has to have intentionally been made as badly as it was but stay tuned for all of our thoughts myself and brad we had a nice discussion about the film it's really really great you'll also hear some efg history clips somewhere sandwiched in the middle of the episode that's clips from this week in the show's history over the past uh, five years so check that out thank you so so much for tuning in don't forget live stream for the cure may 27th through the 31st again 48 hours of live content to raise ten thousand dollars for cancer research it's going to be amazing we love you thank you so so much for checking us out and uh we hope you'll we hope you'll stick around in spite of justin's shenanigans enjoy the show Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another very, very special Monday episode from the Epic Film Guys podcast. I am Nick, and I am not joined by my normal co-host this week. 
I am joined. I'm, this is going to be a tough one, guys. <laughs> joined by good friend of the show. He's been here before. We're thrilled to have him back. He was with us last week for Kingdom of Heaven, of course. Once again, I have wrangled in Brad from the cinema, guys. Brad, how are you, my friend? I'm well. I'm well. Thank you for bringing me in. You know, two sides of the spectrum here. Well, uh, <laughs> go from good to uh, the 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 bottom. You are you're about to feel really <laughs> nauseous, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you're about to be bombarded with the most dizzying array and and baffling combination of studio lighting, color correction, insane musical score. Dutch angles like you wouldn't believe (laughs) and some of the worst acting performances you will ever see in modern cinema yes ladies and gentlemen we are talking Battlefield Earth Roger Christian's Battlefield Earth of course championed it was like a dream project for John Travolta for like 20 years based on an L. Ron Hubbard novel of course the founder of Scientology so This whole thing is just going to be us sighing for like an hour. (laughs) So, I I guess we can we can get before we uh (laughs) when we get into it. But I'm just going to start almost like weeping like 15 minutes into this. I'm just going to start hysterically (laughs) crying, and I'll just slowly, slowly fade out the sound, and that'll be the episode. (laughs) But it's one of those you're going through your hashtag canon quarantine right now. And you put this right in the middle of it. Would you almost say this is kind of like a, a more modern canon? You could see Canon making this movie. Canon Canon films have prepared me for Battlefield Earth, sort of. But I don't think <laughs> I don't think. And here's the thing about this movie: we talked. Brad and I were trading back statistics from like trivia page on IMDb and stuff about this movie. This movie won worst movie of the decade at the Razzies. The original screenwriter who wrote the original draft of the screenplay went to the awards to accept it. You know, this is reviled as one of absolutely the worst films ever made, ever. And it's kind of a lot of people put it on that kind of it's so bad it's good sort of thing. You know, so... I can't, I can't put it that. I love a so get it bad it's good movie but this yeah is, this is no. not even close to that for me because <laughs> because it, it, you know and i will say it from the onset there is no passion in this i felt absolutely no passion in anyone for any reason in this film except for travolta who is so far over the top he may as well be in orbit <laughs> with this thing we'll get into all of it we've got so much to discuss uh about the film but i mean we did talk as well before we started recording. It's kind of, it's almost shooting fish in a barrel. You know, it's, it again, it's the worst film of the decade, Razzie Award winner. Like, it is reviled. So just coming in here and just taking a bunch of shots at it, like, everybody's already done that, number one. And I'm not interested oh, in doing yeah. what everybody else has already done. And, you know, it's, and that's just not, I mean, it'll be entertaining for you guys, probably, but... <laughs> But, you know, we want to try to offer something maybe a little bit different or at least talk about ways that this film could have just drastically improved things. If even if we just say that they could have blatantly ripped off a bunch of other more successful film franchises, 
even still, it would have been it would have been better somehow than than all of this craziness ended up being. I, I mean, just, I mean, it 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 could have honestly, it could have honestly been a decent film. There is, it, it had the potential somewhere deep, deep down beneath the vibrantly oversaturated colors and underneath those really, really, really harsh Dutch angles. There is a good movie in there. I felt it as I was watching it, and it kind of made me a little bit sadder in a way. It's it's like when you watch something like when you think about a movie like The Room, you know, which is a movie that I adore <laughs> so so much. Like that movie, like I feel the passion that Tommy Wiseau had for making it. And I feel the love in it and I kind of respect it in that way, but it's a terrible script and it's a terrible movie. Oh, nobody and nothing could have saved that movie ever in a million no. years. No. Like, and, th- and that's one that it is, you know, it's bad and going in, you know, it's bad. Yeah. And then even seeing like the disaster artist afterwards, just seeing just how much he was wanted to make this movie. Oh yeah. 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 And I mean, I've I've talked to and met Greg Sestero and talking to him about Tommy and this film and everything else. Like, it, it just gives you an appreciation for what he tried to do and everything else. Like, it's just a it's one of those movies you can put on with friends and you just laugh at and just have fun. Yeah. This. See, yeah. You probably have to have quite a few drinks. Yeah, this. <laughs> And I don't even know if I would still put it on even after a few drinks because I feel like it would at some point in the movie induce vomiting. I feel like that, I feel like that's actually a thing. I I, w- I will be honest with you. I got about seventy five minutes into this movie, and I stopped it for about an hour. I went I went and made myself dinner, and I caught up on some work for the live stream for the cure. I did a couple of things really quick because I legitimately could not watch it anymore. After a certain point, I said, no, I, I can't. I have to walk away. <laughs> I can't do it anymore. That's it, it was pr- probably for the better. That's the kind of experience you have when you watch this movie, because it's it's not like I said, when you watch the room or, or, or a, a movie like that, you feel that passion there. And like uh, watching a lot of these canon movies like Masters of the Universe, which we just mentioned before we started recording. Like, yeah, I had some big problems with some aspects of it, but you can feel like certain good aspects of it, like Langella's performance and, and things like that. Like you can really feel, and, and those are the things that elevate something that could have been a disaster. It just gives you that hook of enjoyment that, that, that you can put it on and you can laugh at it and you can have fun with it. This has nothing. And just imagine I went with friends and we willingly went to the theater in 2000 when this came out paid mm. money to sit down mm. and watch it on a big screen mm. <laughs> and after we all we all walked out and went why <laughs> here's here's what you know what they should have had in movie theaters you ever go on to like an amusement park and you ride a roller coaster and there's that camera that takes your picture and then after you get off the ride yes. you get to see your screaming face that's what they should have had like they should have a camera right at the exit of the theater so they could take pictures of all the audience members leaving screenings of this film because I would want to own a photo of you and your friends walking out of the theater with what must have been the most bewildered, shocked, and like nauseous kind of blank expressions ever. Like 
like almost zombified. Like it would have literally been like the undead shuffling out of the theater, I would think. And and we went into it obviously when we went into going, okay, this could be potentially a decent sci-fi movie. That's just what we're looking for. Let's something decent, like just sci-fi. But no. But you, like you said, there there's potential it could have been good. In the hands of the right person and the right people, it could have been better. Yeah. I mean, right now it, it just it looks like a made for TV movie. <laughs> that Maybe. Is, that is an insult to made for TV movie. <laughs> <laughs> I had to watch episodes of Krypton for Livestream for the Cure 2, I think, when we did it with the crossover podcast. And the production values on Krypton were like 10 times better than this. And that is a sci-fi original show. Their budget is a popsicle stick. This had a budget of, well, anyway, of course, there's some caveats with the budget figures because they over-reported the studio that made the film, over-reported the budget on it and ended up getting sued into bankruptcy because of this movie. I think they over-reported the budget by like 35, 30, 35 million dollars, somewhere in that neighborhood. But this movie still had like a like tens of millions of dollar budget. John Travolta had to finance like millions of dollars on his own. He took a way lower cut than he normally would have. Like for his asking fee, he took a way lower salary, even though according to trivia, it was still, I mean, it's still Travolta. So it was probably still pretty substantial in terms of portion of the budget, you know? So like they could have made, they could have made a great movie. And let me let me tell you the, the first thing that I really appreciated about this movie. The first thing that I kind of liked about this movie, even though there are just gaping, and I mean gaping flaws logically with it, is the kind of post-apocalyptic Earth aesthetic. Like, the problem with it is, is the film is set in the year 3000 when all of everything would have been reduced to rubble. <laughs> so there's some huge mind just mind blowing like the whole time you're like at the beginning of the movie there's like an opening crawl if you can call it that where it tells you it's the year 3000 and everything this stuff has not been ruined for a thousand years and like you're walking into a library like an old library and there's just a book right there and you're just picking it up and just dusting it off there it is like Here's this hangar full of all these fighter planes that still fly perfectly fine. <laughs> like, what <laughs> on earth are you like? And and that's the problem is like whoever wrote the script, like the final shooting script for this thing, like whatever the case may be, I think it was, let's see, J.D. Shapiro was the original screenwriter. So Corey Mandel was the one that wrote like the final draft of it. Like you, you as a writer, like as a, like I have an English degree as a writer myself. Like, that is a shocking, and I just mean an absolutely shocking lack of even the most basic amount of care for investigation or research or even just inventive fiction. Like, logically, and this may be, I've never read the book, I've never read Hubbard's novel, so this could be like this in the book, too. I don't know. I feel like it's probably not because we could probably say a million things about L. Ron Hubbard, but I don't want to believe that he was like that sloppy of a sci-fi writer because I'm pretty sure he was at least relatively well known for it. Like, how do you as a screenwriter write scenes 
where they're flying, they're operating a flight simulator and flying planes with fuel that are a thousand years old. (laughs) And you don't even bat an eye. You don't even think about it. You're just like, done. You just keep typing away. And you're just like, you know what? Yeah, that sounds good. We're just going to keep going with it. How? <laughs> How does this happen? They run on Twinkies? I, I don't know. <laughs> but but that said, I do like, there's a few moments in the film when they talk about, like, there's one scene when they're flying the, like, the the cyclo ship or whatever, and they're they're looking at a map. The characters are looking at a map, and they're talking about the lines on the map as if they're physical boundaries that they can see. And they're like, no, the lines must have just faded over time or whatever, because they're like looking out the window of the craft for Mm -hmm. the lines in the map. Stuff like that is at least inventive from a screenwriting perspective. That's pretty much the only credit I'm going to give to the script of this movie, though, because the rest (laughs) of it is god awful. The rest of these people, few, but they, they, when you first see them, they're almost Neanderthal type of like people. Like they don't know what these, uh, ships and everything else there there's a lot of grunting going on and yeah and stuff like that so you're just like and then they go and fly planes yeah which apparently you could just learn on a flight simulator and be able to fly <laughs> a fighter jet no problem my be- my the favorite part is- of that is not only are they flying the jets but then there's that one scene when they're like laying a trap and they're all like jump jets so they're all just hovering in place i'm like I'm pretty sure you have to have more than a crash course for a few yeah. hours on a flight simulator to know how to de- <laughs> to know how to even turn the plane on would probably take weeks of instruction because there's so much so many instructions. And then again, these planes are a thousand years old and they wouldn't exist anyway. <laughs> like it's that's that's the problem I think with this movie though. Like the further into this discussion we get, is there's that basic lack of care or oversight for even the the simplest of things like nobody involved in this production said uh how are their planes still around a thousand years after earth was taken over by these alien things these alien things which apparently and the, the script is this dumb that they defeated all of earth's military forces in nine minutes somehow yes. conquered everything in nine minutes and this again ragtag group of neanderthals with a few (laughs) hours training on a flight simulator are able to overthrow them reprogram a nuclear warhead (sighs) i don't and and the thing is like it's i i honestly want to hear like even Travolta or somebody who is defense of this movie of like why why they they thought this was good. Like I, I, I know he's Scientology and this was a passion project and it's probably, you know, Dianetics, you gotta you gotta do this. But I, yeah. And and there are good actors in this movie too. Yeah. Like Forrest Whitaker, How it's not you, like he's a I'm so Forrest Whitaker, who, according to IMDb trivia anyway, expressed his regret for appearing in the movie as well. He should. <laughs> and I feel like like Barry Pepper, like, I don't think he's a terrible actor. And I, uh, I think the whole thing, they just captured him. And that was like true reaction of him trying to get away of like, what am I doing here? 
Yeah, that was the first. That was his first day on set, and he just showed up, and like there were just these people trying to grab him and stuff. He was like, "What? Yeah, in the world is." Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was all just genuine. They just left that in the film. <laughs> no, no, roll the cameras. This is gonna be great. This will be good. We need the natural reaction. <sighs> like, I mean, like I said, I I feel like that that is this film's story. That ultimately, I feel, is this film story is a complete lack of care and oversight about anything. And I mean anything, even the simplest of production issues. Like, why is it, for instance, maybe, and, and I'm going to start throwing questions at you because I want you to answer them okay. for me. You need to <laughs> somehow. <laughs> why is this film so grossly oversaturated? Like, color-wise, like, there are a, a, a baffling array of, like, blue and purple oversaturations to where, like, when they show at the end of the movie when all of a sudden it's yellow-saturated because whatever, like, I was baffled to, like, learn that, like, like the, the aliens actually look like they have, like, almost like a yellowish, like, greenish skin or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like, but, I mean, again, it was one of those things where, why was the lighting in this movie so bad, number one? Like, every scene is lit very, very poorly, probably to mask how really terrible all of the production design is. They're like, no, turn <laughs> turn the stage lights down. But then is that coupled with the fact, like, they went in and they color corrected everything afterward? They're like, if we just really oversaturate it. You know what this movie reminds me of? God, what was that movie that we watched with the three sons or whatever it was? Oh, Pitch Black? Pitch Black. Yeah. Yes. That movie. It reminds me of that movie. Like, it's so ridiculously oversaturated. It almost hurts your eyes. Why, Brad? You tell me, please. <laughs> what is it with you and saturation I, in movies, too? I don't know. Last time I was on, it was Pitch Black. Now it's this. <laughs> what? Mm. And, I, and I enjoy Pitch Black. Battlefield Earth, Pitch I don't Black enjoy, is a so. masterpiece compared to this thing. <laughs> Whew. You know what this I, movie? I don't have the answers you know for the uh... this movie. Vin Diesel. And I would never say that about any movie ever, even a Fast and Furious <laughs> movie. Now, now, which role would you put Vin Diesel in as Travolta role or as a Barry Pepper role? Mm. Do you want to see him in stilt boots and long dreads and the extra finger? <sighs> Can we? I have problems with uh well I guess to answer the question I mean we got to see him as the villain cuz we have to see him chew scenery right I mean it's true we true. have to we just have to we have to see him chew the scenery what <laughs> can we talk about the costume design for a moment for the aliens please because this is one of the things I was talking about when I wanted to talk about how could we make this movie better like how this movie could be better think about a movie that came out only a year after this movie came out made by peter jackson first part of a trilogy Mm. where jackson employed stunt doubles body doubles and multiple you know shooting angles and different things to do forced perspective to make the hobbits look smaller than the humans and everything this movie instead is like no 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 ain't nobody got time for that so they make (laughs) the most absurd looking platform boots of all time that it is exceptionally obvious every single actor in them is walking on giant platform stilts 
Yeah, they can barely walk. They can barely walk. Like these things. First of all, the uh, not not even notwithstanding the fact that these Neanderthals with no training of any kind except for throwing spears and stuff managed to overthrow them in a heartbeat after they defeated the entire world. You know why they defeated the entire world's military because they locked all of their planes in a special vault. <sighs> anyway, just in case they needed them later. That's very true. You never know when you're going to need some planes exactly. or all of the gold in Fort Knox or anything of that nature. Like if you're an <laughs> alien species and you're coming to Earth to plunder it of its resources, like how do you not like I, I, and I guess this just goes to kind of the ignorance that we see from the aliens numerous times in the movie, because they always call like there's that one scene when they like drop them off in the wilderness and let them go. And then they, they're they starving, so they just grab a rat to eat because they're like, we just yeah. need some kind of sustenance. They're like, oh, this must be their delicacy. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, why if you're like an alien species that's coming to conquer Earth and steal all of its resources, why do you not know where its resources are? Why do you not know well, if you love gold? Why do you not know where like the largest gold reserve on the planet is? And wouldn't you study the species you're coming to try to conquer anyway? Even a little bit. Why wouldn't you like yeah. study? Like even the slightest little bit. What do they call them? Man animals? Yeah. Man animals. Yeah. yeah. It's like you clearly like, I mean, obviously like you can look at civilization, like they conquered civilization and everything. Like obviously like we had some kind of intelligence, right? Like that's yeah. what again one of those things that just doesn't jive with this whole thing. And I mean, I guess you could find you can be like, well, they want to dehumanize them and just treat them like animals, so that way they can just you know murder them or kill them off or do whatever when they say fine, fine, fine. Okay, let's not get too deep into the minutia of you know <laughs> exploring like classism and everything like that in Battlefield Earth of all things. But no, I I feel like the costume. I think the costumer went to a Rob Zombie concert right before and went, you know what? <laughs> that looks good on him. <laughs> I'm going to turn him into a creature in my movie. And then like this, <laughs> uh, it was what it was when we watched Masters of the Universe. Uh, actually, when we talked about that, I mentioned some of the actors, the way that the prosthetics worked and the way that the masks and like the makeup effects and things like that worked. Like you had actors that literally were talking like rough. There's certain like and, and mm -hmm. for whatever reason, some of the cyclos have different makeup. Depending on their star power, they have less or more makeup yeah. on their faces. Basically, <laughs> the rest of them all look like dogs almost. Like they almost have like a canine kind of quality to them, or a feline quality, maybe. Almost, something. almost, um, um, Klingon. It's almost like Klingon they tried from to... like from like Star Trek. Yeah, and they kind of also yeah. gave me like a little bit of a, a dirty, grungy beast from Beauty and the Beast vibe. If he was more humanish okay, looking, yeah, yeah. like maybe, I don't know. Anyway, like, <sighs> like the prosthetics are so bad and like, clearly they just didn't have some of these guys like do ADR for their lines or anything. And they just took whatever they recorded on set because there are certain, you know, dialogue points where they're <laughs> you can tell it's just like the prosthetic nose and prosthetic mouth and like teeth and all these like things that they have attached all over them. Like that they can't talk properly. And I, I'm like, it baffles me when things like that make it into a movie because it like compared to the rest of the production cost, ADR is like nothing like really. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm curious where, because what was the budget? Like 40 some million dollars. Something like that. 2000. Yeah. Where did it go? 
I mean, aside from Travolta, besides going to Travolta, I mean, like you, you think about like going back to the aliens and going back to like the logic and like studying the species or or whatever, like they seem like woefully inept at their jobs. If they're still around a thousand years after they've conquered the planet, they still haven't taken a bunch of the resources. This is the first time in a thousand years anyone has been like, Hey, why don't we just make the humans go mine their stupid resources instead of like they're bringing in and that's like, (laughs) they've enslaved like the humans on the planet, like at least the ones that they can capture. Cause some of them live in irradiated zones that they can't go to because it interferes with the atmosphere of their planet. Fine. Whatever. Like, but they've captured a bunch of them. And but why are you not capturing humans and using them all as slave labor? If you've conquered the planet anyway, why is this the first time? Th- like, honestly, Travolta is supposed to be the bad guy, whatever, but he's like the smartest one of them. Like, why has nobody in a thousand years been like, hey, why don't we just make these slave things that we don't care about? Just go make all, mine all these resources for us. Like, wh- Seriously. <laughs> and, and then it makes you wonder, how did they conquer us in nine minutes? What what did they have then that they, they don't have now? A thousand years later. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's And that's the baffling thing. It's like. Like, it, uh, and I, I suppose maybe in a, in a different cut of this movie, you could have had some kind of prologue or something like that where you could see the alien force invading. Like, I think it has something to do with, like, that gas that they breathe or whatever. Whatever. Like, where that gas was, like, it choked the humans. It, but okay, mm-hmm. but sh- just show us that. Like, all you do is you need, like, a brief prologue where you just show us, like, a couple minutes of, like, this war that they reigned. And- I mean, if the war was only nine minutes... You could have easily put that in the movie. Exactly. If the war was only nine <laughs> minutes, then they could have easily put that in the movie. Yeah. Like you could have just had like you could have shown like these ships just like this mighty flex. But you know why you can't show that, Brad? Because then you can't have a finale wherein a ragtag group of Neanderthals learns how to pilot <laughs> fighter jets from a flight simulator that's a thousand years old in like a couple of hours and fights off and destroys an entire alien force. Then you can't have that if you show them like massacring the world's military in like five seconds flat. Doesn't to set work. up the sequel that never happened. Exactly. I mean, you can't. You can only throw logic out the window for so long in a motion picture. And I feel like of all the other logical leaps this movie takes, they were like, no, that's that's a bridge too far. We can't we can't go that (laughs) far. People aren't going to buy that. That's what people are going to be like. Wait a minute. Whoa. You know what people are going to buy? Airplanes beating the aliens. And we're going to be like, yes, because they were like, Will Smith did it. But he used an alien spaceship. Can we talk for a moment about how much better of a movie Independence Day is than this movie? Hugely better. And it came out, what, four years before? Like, those aliens came here with a purpose. They researched. They knew where all of our military bases were. They attacked them all. Like, Mm -hmm. that script, for all of Roland Emmerich's future faults, man, is that script, like, smart, at least from a villain perspective, because... It really makes the aliens intelligent. It really makes them know what they're doing. And it really makes the you as the audience member hate them via like the humanity in the film. In this film, like how did these, how, how did these clumsy ass gigantic motherfuckers ever conquer literally anything? Anything like there's seriously, there's how many different scenes in this movie of a human, which are like three feet shorter than these things, just tackling them to the ground. And how did they hold on to this for a thousand years? I just... I... (sighs) 
this week in epic film history. Justin bought PBR for loy sauce, and then when he was sleeping, I licked the tip of his dick, and nothing came out of it, so I ended up going back to Ned Devine's and sticking my dick in the hole in the bathroom. They call him a glory hole, they gave him a hundred those. <laughs> in have. the late 70s. Yeah, I used to put my wiener in all kinds of things. <laughs> so that's what happened, and that's why I'm drinking a PBR. <laughs> this piece of shit is fucking... I don't even know what some guy gave it to me after I left the bar. It's 2% alcohol by volume and it tastes like piss. And like your dog might have took it as shit in it, but that's what I'm drinking. <laughs> I also enjoy a good can of PBR. Dan, we'll see you at the movies. I'll sit next to you and put my hand down your pants. We'll see what happens. I'm not gay, but I want to see if you got any change in there. Good night, everyone. Uh, this is former President Bill Clinton, and I want to talk about the butt. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, that's fucking amazing. Wes, I love you so much. I love you. <laughs> All right. Uh, fuzzy the gayest D. way possible. Stanley Tucci tickled some taints. <laughs> Tufty taints. All right, Dan. Hello. This is Dan. I'm doing a sound check. Caleb. You suck, Dan. You suck, Dan. The human torch was denied a bank loan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and shampoo. <laughs> the gypsies, they don't like it when you call them gypsies. But we call them gypsies because they're fucking gypsies. Jesus. <laughs> this, is, this is jar of gypsy tears. It will prevent the AIDS. By the way, that is, that is a direct quote from a uh, Romanian guy that I know. I was about to say, fucking Romania. <laughs> All right, we started with a Justin. Us, Mary. We started with a Justin. We will end with a Justin. Justin Winters. What's up? Check one, two, check one, two, check one, two. That wasn't funny at all. <laughs> He's used to it. <laughs> Now, I wanted to channel my inner Anakin Skywalker, but I didn't have any younglings to kill, so I decided to start killing younglings. <laughs> <laughs> that weekend was so epic. I mean, honestly, I can feel like right now that we can live up to that name, the epic film guys, just because of how great the live stream for The Cure was this weekend. It turned out, uh, except for some internet issues, and I don't want to talk about the event like a terribly long amount of time, here at the opening of the show, but of course we have to mention it. Yes, the third annual live stream for The Cure, we annihilated our goal. So we set three days, 40 hours, and by the end of day two, we hit our goal of $7,500. And when I tallied everything together, and we still, I don't have money for shirts yet. I don't even know how many shirts we sold yet. So I'm still waiting to figure all that nonsense out. But we raised over 16 thousand dollars once you factor in everything that was donated in may that's gonna wait, be wait a minute nick nick wait a minute say that amount one more time please over sixteen thousand dollars for cancer research speaking of the live stream for the cure i just wanted to take a few moments to talk about that we raised eleven hundred and eighty dollars in about 50 decimal places because one of our great australian friends made a donation to the live streamer for whatever reason and, and it just broke it, it could not figure out the decimals and the exchange rate. So after I'm pretty sure it was pretty sure it was who spiked the puns uh, made a donation. 
the whole thing just broke. So I'm not sure what happened. But, I mean, we raised $1,180, and since the Cancer Research Institute is matching all the donations that we received for the month of May, that is over $1,000 of what we raised toward the event. So overall, we raised over $2,000 for cancer research. So I do want to take the opportunity to thank everybody with the smattering of applause, of course. Everybody that came out to the show, everybody that guest hosted on the show, everybody that came in, stopped in for a segment, played games. We had an absolute blast. I was exhausted as hell and pretty drunk by the end of it. <laughs> You can solve the alien problem, I feel, by instead of these woefully terrible costumes, use some forced perspective stuff. Do some green screen stuff, even though we do get some green screen stuff in this film that's really <laughs> bad. Those fighter jets are whole like that the whole battle sequence between like the alien ships and the fighter. Oh my god, is that bad? Holy and it's so dark. It's so dark and grainy and color washed and like drenched in this like magenta-ish color it's like almost unwatchable and then the score is like shrieking at you the whole time why they're is trying it? to cover up their effects so they add some rain and some darkness and some do you feel like do you feel like maybe 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 we can suss out how this movie happened because we talked about this before we recorded we were like how did so many bad decisions happen all in one movie mm-hmm. maybe maybe you get like the heads of all the departments in the film like cinematography and production design costuming all these departments and it was just some kind of a domino somewhere like maybe dino stamopoulos showed the costumes for the aliens and then everybody else was like oh we're making this kind of batshit lunacy like we gotta dial it up (laughs) to 11 and really channel our inner crazy to match this so they were like what if we make everything look like a really bad cartoon in some scenes. What if we make everything look so dark and horribly shot that you can't tell how bad the production design and the costumes are? This reminds me, you know what the you know what this reminds me of? Did you ever watch Smallville? Yes. Okay. Do you remember the season where they had Doomsday on the show? vaguely but i i don't so they I didn't had, watch it like yeah that was like one of the later seasons when it went to after after the cw formed like after wb and upn or whatever the two networks were combined and they formed and and its budget got literally slashed to nothing like they used to have to shoot that doomsday costume in like almost pitch blackness and then they would only okay. show it on screen for like a half a second because it was the most terrible costume cheapest looking garbage ever (laughs) so they only showed it in extremely dark and extremely bad so maybe that was what it was and then like when they were coming in to do the color correction and everything after the film was shot they were like well this still looks really really bad even with the bad lighting and bad costume design and bad everything maybe what if we just oversaturate the ever-loving hell out of the print so that you can sort of not even see what's going on half of the time anymore and we could just say it's it's stylized exactly and then you can just have the most shrieking obnoxious movie score blaring at the audience the whole time (laughs) so maybe they're just like so busy plugging their ears from that and from the dialogue which we have to talk about the performances in this movie but like maybe they'll be so deafened by the bad dialogue and the score that they won't notice all the visual stuff. Like, did we suss this out? Is that what happened? 
I don't know. Please? <laughs> and there were plans to have a sequel. And Travolta said there was going to be an animated series. So a sequel and an animated series. He thought this was going to be huge. Which world would you rather live in right now, Brad? Okay, so the world that we live in now, wherein no sequel was ever made because this movie bombed horribly. Horribly. <laughs> wow, did this movie lose a lot of money. Or, or would you rather live in that world or they shot the sequel back to back with this one? But it never got released. Would you? Which then, world would you rather live in? And then we'd be running around being like hashtag release the John Travolta cut or something. I mean, obviously. <laughs> so a sequel that was shot but never released, or just how how we have it now? Yeah, like is this movie is this movie insultingly bad enough to all of your senses? That you don't even want to fathom the idea of watching another one. Or was it so bad that you're like, well, there's no possible way that a sequel could possibly be worse than this movie. As bad? Sure. Probably maybe even a little better. Maybe they learned something or if they were shot concurrently, whatever. Like, even if it wasn't shot at the same time, like, even if they just, even if there was a sequel to it, but it never saw the light of day because the studio got sued out of, out of existence. It got sued into bankruptcy, you know? Like, where does this movie fall for you on that spectrum, I guess? Mm. And there is part of me that it's like, I'd want to I'd wanna see the, the sequel just to see that train wreck. But, but I don't want to. I want to, but don't want to. <laughs> and would you watch <laughs> an addendum to that? Because I feel like I know what direction you're leaning in. Addendum to that. Would you watch the double feature on the big screen? Would you sit? Ooh. Would you sit down for four to five straight hours of Battlefield Earth? I'd have to say no. But if I hadn't seen, if that's the only way I could see the sequel, I might do it just to say I saw it. I mean, what if that was the only and it way? Doesn't get better. <laughs> yeah, what if that was the only way? Like they were only going to do a limited theatrical run of the sequel. But it was only going to be tied to a double feature of the first film. That's the only way that you could ever see the sequel. I'd I'd probably do it just because. Man, why not? You are a you're a braver man than I, sir. <laughs> I would not. I would. This movie. I posted to Facebook after I watched this movie. I said sometimes movies are so bad you're actually mad that they exist. <laughs> uh, I am. I am actually mad that this movie exists. Uh, the performances, we, we got to talk about the performances yet in the film. I, I mean, I am mystified. Mi what on earth was John Travolta doing? What on earth? He was in a different movie than everybody else. He was in a way different movie than everybody else. He was so far over the top. He ate all the scenery, shat it out, and then started eating it again. Like, that's how over the top and like scenery chewing his performance is. And he has this accent that comes in and out too that I didn't, I couldn't quite <laughs> pick up on. <laughs> I feel that maybe the but, stilts were making his legs hurt, and like sometimes the accent maybe. went out because of the pain <laughs> of the stilts. You imagine standing in those giant platform boots for like hours and hours on end, days and days on end during the shoot. How do you even sit down? Like you probably have to have crew members help you sit down and stand back yeah. up. Oh yeah, you have to. Because you probably can't take the boots off until the end of the day because you're probably like hardwired into them. 
Because when they're even when they're all walking around, you can just tell like they're just they're Frankenstein. They're just like lumbering and like. <sighs> There's no way ever. Like I said, that's that's the kind of thing I I really wonder if it, so. If you get a better, maybe a better effects house involved, maybe you get like a Lucasfilm involved so they can clean up the CGI. Granted, it was 2000, but I mean, you had, look at, look at, again, the work that Weta turned out at the beginning of the 2000s with Lord of the Rings. You could even get Weta I mean, on you're this. only a year removed from episode one, whatever exactly. you say about that. You know, and speaking of which, the director of this movie was an, a second unit director on episode one. So, sure, that <laughs> means Roger Christian should definitely have directed this movie. I guess George Lucas actually, rec- according to IMDb trivia anyway, George Lucas recommended him to direct this. Here's the thing. What is a second unit director direct in a Star Wars movie when it's all on green screen? It's sets? all green screen. Although episode one, to, to, be, to, to its credit, episode one did have some location shooting because they went back to the desert. To shoot yeah, yeah, some stuff for, so maybe some of that stuff got, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, episode one did have some location shooting. So, you know, help me, Brad. No, I I can't. Help me, Bradley like, Juan Kenobi. I, You're my only and, hope. And the thing is, like, I like bad movies. I love watching bad movies. Like, my, my co-hosts on our show make fun of me because I just love bad movies. But this one is just one that I can't. I just can't get behind it and recommend it or or rewatch. I've tried rewatching it. Just you know, why not? It can't be that bad, right? No, we'll say is. God bless you, Barry Pepper, for trying to polish this turd up the best you can. He's he is really trying with nothing to work with, but he's Besides, trying like, his ass off. Travolta's in a whole different movie than everybody else. Like he. He just had this idea of what he wanted, and he just went. He went full. You know, we we could almost say like today it would be like he went full cage on this movie. Well, see, this was after he made Face Off, so I'm wondering yeah. if that being on set with Nicolas Cage didn't just rub off on him, and this was just <laughs> the performance that we got. Where is this? I gotta look this up now. Hang on, I gotta look. Where is this in his filmography? I mean, granted, this doesn't mean anything necessarily for production schedules or anything, but. Where is this? Because this has got to be like right after Face Off. Because Face Off was like 99. Or sorry, Face Off was 97. Yeah. So, okay. So there was a couple year gap in here. There was a couple year gap. But I mean, like, seriously, like, is that what it was? Did like that just rub off on him? (laughs) It must have. He was like, you know what? I think you have you have something here. I'm going to try it. And see if it works out like, for you me. You know what this movie, he called Nick Cage up. He's like, Nick, I got this script. I've been trying to get this made for like 20 years. What would you do? Yeah. And then he's just like, oh. <laughs> and, and like you said, Barry Pepper. Barry Pepper is. He's trying I, so I, hard. He He's like that actor that wants to be the leading man so bad, but just never really achieved that like people gonna rush out to see the next Barry Pepper movie. He was like, yeah. you know, always just that I mean he was a great secondary. He was a great one off secondary character in Saving Private Ryan. He plays Jackson, I'm pretty sure, the sniper. You know, and then I don't remember ever seeing Barry Pepper in literally anything else until he was just in that 
alligator movie last year. What was that called? The Oh, crawl, crawl. Yeah, the, all of a sudden yeah. I'm like, wait, what? Barry Pepper's still acting? Like, I'm like Barry, what? Barry Pepper's still around? <laughs> he was in the uh, the Maze Runner movies too. Oh, see, I didn't watch those. I never, I never watched any of those Maze Runner movies. But yeah, like he's trying so hard. Forrest Whitaker. We could talk about Forrest Whitaker, who is. I f- I feel like Forrest Whitaker the entire time, every scene he's in has no idea what's happening. I really don't feel like he has. He's Forrest Whitaker, so he's bringing whatever gravitas he possibly can. Yeah, but now if he, if Forrest Whitaker would have went full like Saul Guerrero in this from you know how he is in Rogue One, I he I think he would have fit into this movie better. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I see. This is like I I have so much love and respect for Forrest Whitaker. He was in one of my favorite TV shows of all time, The Shield, and he was one of the best characters in that show of all time as Kavanaugh. He's a good actor. He's an amazing I mean, actor. He's he's fan Oscar winner. Like he's he is a fan. Yeah fantastic actor and he legitimately i i feel like it's a combination of a he's on he's most of his scenes are with travolta so he's just like what on earth is john travolta doing (laughs) every single take and then the rest of it like it's almost like you could see him questioning his career choices the entire time he's on screen like how did i get here how am i in this movie and can we also add that the script of this movie to go back to other bad elements of it all of them why is there this whole subplot about like him and like those two characters like he's constantly stabbing in them in the back and then he's not and then he is and Mm -hmm. then he's not and then he isn't why is that whole thing in the movie why is like this whole home office thing in the movie where like they're constantly like hitting those stupid giant massive buttons on the underside of the table to make that stupid lens pop out of the wall like (laughs) holy god the production values in this are so so cheap like they're not even like bad side b-movie sci-fi trash cheap looking like they're just bad now do you think uh you think forrest whitaker lost a bet like he he gambled with travolta and, and travolta's like oh you got to be in my movie now like, oh shit maybe <laughs> maybe it was something like that or somebody had something on him maybe somebody had some dirt on him yeah. or something or, or whatever the like, case after, was what do you think went through his mind like that first day on set after the first day do you think he was like oh i wish i could just walk away right now but i can't i mean you you just think of like a lot of the baffled looks he gives in this movie <laughs> i feel like those aren't the him in character i feel like that's genuinely just forrest whitaker still <laughs> not understanding how he got here or what's happening to him he's still trying to figure out how the jets are gonna work at, like at the, the end whole... of the script he just read uh, like the whole subplot of of like of of the the character like he's supposed to t- transfer back home and then like he gets screwed over because of some nonsense with the senator's daughter like all this stuff is so throwaway because you don't care about these characters like these characters don't mean anything to you and they're the antagonists and stuff and like i i guess what in someone's head in someone's head, they thought that this was supposed to, like, at least develop the antagonist for us and give us some kind of understanding for how he comes as unhinged as he does. But his character, just like all of the other aliens, is just a giant piece of shit. Like, you should have just, like, they could have cut down more on the subplot of the aliens. Like, and here's the thing. These aliens in any other movie where John Travolta, this wasn't his passion project and he wasn't starring as the head alien they would have had half of the screen time that they had. They would have just been more of like a force and you would have gotten more from the humans. You would have gotten Mm -hmm. more of the far more interesting story in this movie, which is the humans taking back their planet. 
Like that's the far more interesting story in this movie. The like this is like people complain all the time about space politics and things like that in episode one. Like that's the kind of level of boring and unattached you are to this thing. It's like you want to send back the the gold to so you can buy a like go back to your home planet and you can do what? Like what is but this whole least- subplot about the dude with the giant fat testicle chin who's like like embezzling money from <laughs> who about cares him. who cares about this guy or any of this stuff with the aliens like none of this means anything to us because like you're trying to make us care about the human characters why the hell do we care about the alien characters i mean at least george lucas made trade disputes exciting he put a pod race I mean, in that there. is that is very true there was a pod race in there i mean we're, we're, we're brad and i haven't recorded it yet but last week you heard us talk about kingdom of heaven and you know one of the things that I can at least talk about for that movie briefly is like, there's no right side in that movie. It it treads that line very, very well of between mm-hmm. the Christians and the Muslims where you sympathize with both sides to a large degree. You are not a nearly adept enough director and screenwriting combo to be able to do what Ridley Scott and William Monaghan do in that film. <laughs> <laughs> you are woefully inept. So like all the stuff is like you're meant to care because the aliens are super cruel to the humans. So we side with the humans because obviously we're human and we're meant mm-hmm. to kind of side with them. So we we're more on board with them, but then it kind of keeps cutting back to all these scenes of like, Oh, he, he's never getting transferred off the planet. So he goes to a bar and gets drunk and stuff. It's like, but we don't, why do we care? Who cares? And he's got to like backstab this guy and then work an angle and, like they, repeatedly they, they like, tried to add layers yeah and it over it, yeah but it's 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 so piss poorly done and travolta's performance is so uneven and all over the place and he's chewing so much scenery that you just never get invested and then like again the constant back and forth with whitaker's character which i feel like they had to have they had to have written in because like whitaker just looked so bewildered on set most of the time they were like <laughs> what do we do with him i don't know you know, just, but, just make it part of his character. And then there's one at one point in the movie, doesn't Travolta's character shoot him? And and like, I thought he was dead. And then he comes back at the very end of the movie. He's still alive and he's joined the humans. I'm like, what? I'm like, what? Like, God in heaven. How is he like, for, I, I can't even, I don't even. How did this, how did this movie? Like, was this literally just. It was Travolta's dream project. He finally mm-hmm. gets financing for it after like 15, 18 years, however many years it was. And then literally every, it's like the perfect storm, like the ultimate maelstrom of bad decisions. They hired, it's like the producers. It's like the producers, except it happened for real. And it wasn't as funny as springtime for Hitler. Like they hired the worst <laughs> director, the worst screenwriter, the worst production team, the worst costuming, the worst act, like all of it was literally the worst that they could possibly do. And it was just this maelstrom of shit. Like I said, it's got to be like, was this like the real life producers? Is that what well, happened it, here? And this was supposed, like it was supposed to be a franchise. It was supposed yeah. to be big. I mean, there was marketing, there was, you know, food and toys and, and you saw Battlefield Earth's everywhere i feel like this had to have been i i know i now firmly believe that because we know again the production company they over reported the budget for this thing by like 30 million dollars and got sued into bankruptcy like they only made like three movies and then they just ceased to exist because they defrauded investors and stuff like i swear this this has to have been the producers 
for real. But maybe <laughs> only maybe only Travolta knew about it or something. Or maybe everybody but Travolta knew about it. Like in the I don't I don't know. I just I'm I'm literally Brad. This is me grabbing at digital straws left and right, <laughs> begging the universe to provide me with some some kind of a reasoning for why this movie is i don't i don't think you'll ever ever know (sighs) maybe if you join the church of scientology maybe there's some room or some video that they show you to really explain you gotta be like really high level like the tom cruise level though and i can't afford that i'd only be like one of the peons they're not gonna tell me anything (sighs) you'd be like i just want to know and they're like no nope you know, you got to be, you got to pledge like $50 million a year to the church. I mean, what? Oh, fine. You have to have the special key to get to the, the certain floor in the elevator. That's where it's kept. <sighs> you got to do like a ritual in the elevator, like spin around, like light a bunch of candles, <laughs> like say some prayers to Xenu or whatever the hell the Scientology God is. <laughs> and then you have to put the boots on to walk into the room. <sighs> Your own. <laughs> Your own all the all the, all the viewing all the viewing equipment is like ten feet in the air. So yeah, you have to have the giant boot stilt things on, and you can't ever take them off because that's how the video equipment's. I don't know. Do you, do you think the the church has a like a display room with like glass cases with like the costumes in it that you can walk through, like like to do for Star Wars? <laughs> Here's my new narrative, Brad. You ready for this? Okay. The sequel does exist. The sequel was made. But the Church of Scientology has it locked in a vault somewhere, and they killed everybody who knew about it. They didn't kill Barry Pepper. They just killed his career for a while. (laughs) For a while. And then they let him back out to do Maze Runner and then Crawl. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Brad, uh, where, if if people were so inclined uh, on the internet to find you and your wonderful show, The Cinema Guys, Aside from not even that, but also I'll get a burger, which is uh, congratulations always to you and Kara for your continued success. You guys are working so hard still doing it, especially with quarantine, with dealing with the kids in the house. It cannot be easy. Quarantine has been rough for it. That is for sure. Yeah, But you guys are still pushing. You guys are still doing the virtual 5Ks and stuff where you guys are still at least getting out and doing exercise by yourselves, still trying to maintain diets and stuff. So I'm super proud of you guys for all your success with I'll get a burger and everything. So where can our audience find your shows out there on the web? You should definitely check them out because I mean, Brad's just, we love Brad. We love having him here. That's why he's here again, even though for the most color saturated bullshit movies of all time, (laughs) I have have a a way to pick these color saturated movies for you. (sighs) And I think I just put this one out there as a joke. Of like, oh, you should do Battlefield Earth. <laughs> yeah, that's what you get. Now you won't ever <laughs> joke with me again, never <laughs> again. But uh, I, I'll get a burger. I mean, you can find it on any of your pod catchers. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at I'll Get a Burger. And the Cinema Guys, you just can go to wearethecinemaguys.com. We have everything there, or any also any of your pod catchers. Search the Cinema Guys. Search for them, find them. They will also be guests during this year's 
live stream for the cure ladies and gentlemen uh we will be is, back when is your segment i'm gonna look it up may here. 30th at 11 p.m is when we will be on yeah so they will be on toward the end of the event uh and, but i know brad i know brad will be hanging out as much as he possibly can all throughout the event anyway because yes. that's just what oh, yeah. he does and we appreciate the support uh like a ton because it's like it's like regulars like you that like keep other people showing up because it's like they see people watching and they see people interacting and they want to check it out. What's this yeah. thing? Hey, they're raising money for cancer. Let's try to get them to say the N-word, which is a thing that <laughs> happened last year. It's like, good. I'm glad that you came to our cancer charity stream for this. Like, aren't there like cam girls like, you know, doing ASMR with their tits hanging out that you can go like bother? <laughs> Did you get banned from all their channels? And now you got, I'm going down a rabbit hole. I now regret. Uh, but um <laughs> please 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 check out brad's amazing shows uh they're, they're wonderful and again uh you know my head is off thank you for having me on i'll get a burger that was really really fun and you know just more yeah. more continued success to you and kara it's just amazing well, thank you we loved having you on thank you for having me on even if it is for bringing hope, me on for joking with you on this movie i hope that we've at least <laughs> asked what i wanted to do is i wanted to ask some good questions about this movie to try to figure out why and to I try don't to think figure there's out this, a such thing i just i still don't understand how this movie happened i understand how movies are made ladies and gentlemen please don't at me <laughs> i get that part but i don't understand how this specific movie was distilled from all of the moving parts that are part of a film production how is it that every single one of them somehow seems to trump every other one like every element of this movie taken individually is the worst thing about it and then you combine them all together. Like I said, it's like the perfect storm of shit. I mean, throw throw us $40 million. I'm sure we could put something together. Can we get Reap? Can we get hashtag release the Prezula cut? Can we get Reap finally? Because I guarantee you <laughs> Reap is a hundred times better than this movie. I don't care how many times Wayne's like, who the fuck are you? Or whatever, whatever the hell that line Paul wrote yeah, wait, was. They need, they need to put that one out there. We need it. We need that. They're gonna, you know, when they're gonna do it after they're gonna end the podcast someday, and then they're gonna release it and shut down all their social media accounts so that we nobody can ever comment <laughs> on it or find them. They'll release it what on if, like their YouTube and then like they'll run away. What if Reap is the sequel to Battlefield Earth? <gasps> Conspiracy. <laughs> I like it. I like it. We want to. We want to hear from Wayne and Paul on that one. I want to hear from somebody on it just i mean just i'm so mystified i'm so mystified by every single thing that i saw in this movie so that'll do it for us here for the epic film guys ladies and gentlemen thank you so so much for listening again you're listening to this on release day or release week live stream for the cure is imminent beginning on may 27th and ending on the 31st 48 hours of live content and join us please for the kickoff event on may 27th which is wednesday from 6 to 10 p.m we're going to have a whole bunch of fun movie trivia games movie games and different things that we're going to do with whoever literally wants to jump on the microphone with us it's going to be an absolute blast just kind of kick off the event and uh, you know start raising money ten thousand dollars for cancer research which if we can raise that total Donations are being doubled by the Cancer Research Institute again. We stand a very good chance of raising $20,000, which is crazy to me. Which is awesome. So awesome. I can't wait. So for myself, ladies and gentlemen, for Brad, for for Justin and the God of Podcasting, our very own Loy Sox, Loy Sauce, Loin Sauce, whatever 
thing we call him <laughs> these days. I don't even know. Bitches can't get enough of my stuff. That guy. Uh, thank you so, so much, everybody out there for listening. Until next time, we will see you at the movies. This episode is brought to you by the Epic Film Guys patrons, our amazing producers and executive producers who pay us to do the show that we love to do. So a huge, huge shout out to Alan Gallarisi, Brandon Frederick, Caleb Brownlee, Dan Brennick, John DeQuilla, Julio Oliveira, Deborah Kinney, Chip Moore, Chris Maltezos, Rob Trevino, Ken Maney, Brady Cloven, Justin Winters, Scott LeVar, The Running Man, The Flash, Paul Prezula, and Gerald Morris. And a very special thank you to our top-level patrons, our executive producers on the show. Chris Yaney, Robert Moreno, our resident kaiju expert. Bill Sutton and destruction in human form, Jared Taylor. Thank you all so, so much. And we'll see you at the movies. <laughs>